Okay, this is month number seven from the book of Acts, and this has been a live Sunday morning verse-by-verse -verse study over the last several weeks and months, as I say, and what I want to do this morning before we get into Acts 14 is just have a very quick recap from the last two chapters, focusing primarily on the Jewish Sabbath. And to start with me today, if you will, in Acts 13, verse 5, and the Word of God says, And when they were at Salamis, they preached the Word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Now the argument is put, quite simply, by our SDA friends. I won't call them brethren, because I don't think they are brethren. And also from our Protestant counterparts in the Pentecostal and Charismatic movements that the Sabbath, the Saturday Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, is somehow relevant for those of us today. Ellen White, the founder of the SDA movement, said that to worship the Lord on a Sunday, like today, was the equivalent to taking the mark of the beast. A rather ridiculous statement, but the Word of God makes it clear in Acts 13, 5. And when they were at Salamis, in reference to Barnabas, Saul as well, of course, two Jewish apostles, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Now listen, if you were first century Gentile that got saved, you might have heard of Abraham. You might have heard of Moses. And you might have heard of Solomon. But as far as Samuel was concerned, as far as Daniel was concerned, even as far as King David was concerned, I somehow doubt you would have heard of such people. So just keep this in mind for a moment, if you will, if we are to somehow imagine that a Gentile in the first century gets saved, goes to the local synagogue on a typical Sabbath to break bread, it's not impossible, I'll grant you that, but it's somewhat unlikely, because the Jews were given the Sabbath as a sign of the Old Testament covenant between the one true God and the children of, uh, children of Israel. In fact, you were told in Nehemiah chapter 9 that such an act was exclusive to the children of Israel. But please go to Exodus chapter 16, and let's see what the Word of God says about this Sabbath. Exodus chapter 16. And I think it's worth just spending a few moments today, if I may, looking at this subject before I get into Acts 14 and Lord willing conclude Acts 14. But Exodus chapter 16, look at verse 28, please. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? Commandments and laws to enter into the old covenant was quite simply to receive the promise given to the Jewish forefathers. But once you had voluntarily entered into the Old Testament covenant, you were expected to keep the commandments and the laws. And parts of the commandments and parts of the laws involved the Jewish Sabbath. 29. See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days, Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. On the sixth day, bread was given to last two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. You are expected 
if you were a faithful Jew, to get all of your shopping in, if you will, to do all of your work pre the seventh day, which of course would be a Saturday. So you got Sunday through to Thursday to get your house in order. But Friday sundown to Saturday sundown is when the Jewish Sabbath would commence. So you've got a good six days to do your shopping. And I'll keep using that term to make this as clear as I possibly can. To get all of your work done. To plough the ground. To make your living for that week. But on the Sabbath you are to rest. 30 to the people rested on the seventh day. So you couldn't even go out of your house on a typical Sabbath. You were in for the night. So when I look at these verses 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. I find a very clear commandment for no man to go out of his place on a seventh day now ask yourself this if the sabbath is relevant for today which the sda hold to and some pentecostals and charismatics hold to and some baptists hold to how are they going to get to church to worship the lord they've got to get out of their homes get into their cars and drive to the local church building to worship the lord but here they are told to stay in their homes now most jews that keep the sabbath today do just that They get home from work Friday afternoon and once the sun goes down, they are in until the next day, until Saturday night. But it's somewhat ludicrous that we Gentile believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in the 21st century are somehow expected to remain in our homes from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown when it comes to worshipping the Lord. On top of that, what would you do if you had unsaved family? Just imagine that for one moment. But one last time... And the Lord said unto Moses, there's no Gentiles present, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? He's speaking to a stiff-necked people. He's speaking to the children of Israel. There were no Gentiles present on top of that when the Lord gave the keys to Peter in Matthew 16. There were no Gentiles present. And Peter uses those keys from Acts 2 to preach the gospel of the kingdom of heaven to the children of Israel. So if you are a Roman Catholic and you are following Simon Peter, technically you are following the, the wrong apostle. If you want to follow an apostle, it's got to be the apostle Paul. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. But that piece of scripture from Matthew 16 is solely relevant to the children of Israel. But I'm not through with this theme yet. Please go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. And many times when you get into this whole subject of Sabbath observance... You're dealing with legalism, which is what the Galatians were all about. The Corinthians were very carnal. They would say something along the lines of, well, I'm saved, so I can do what I choose. And the word of God told you in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians Corinthians, how many of those people were sick and weak, and some even slept. The Lord put them to death. Whereas the Galatians were saying, we need to be more Jewish. We, We want to be more holy. We want to be more part of the Old Covenant, we're going to keep feast days, so on and so forth. Both positions are foolish. Both positions are seriously flawed. Deuteronomy chapter 5, look at verse 12, please. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Keep the Sabbath day. It's an imperative command. To enter into the Old Covenant, as I say, was simply to believe on the promise given to your forefathers. And once you were in it, you were expected to live a certain way. Much like we are in the New Covenant. We get saved in the New Covenant by believing on a person. And once we are 
in the new covenant we are expected to live a certain way okay it's a very similar parallel between the old testament and the new testament but it says keep the sabbath day saturday to sanctify it set it apart as the lord thy god hath commanded thee but that term the lord thy god was only relevant to the children of israel you see gentiles pre the new covenant were outside of the lord's remit paul told us in the epistle to the ephesians that the gentiles were without hope in the world and it was those people that will be judged revelation 20 based on what they know not on what they did not know six days thou shalt labor do your work get your shopping in so on and so forth and do all thy work but the seventh day verse 14 is a sabbath of the lord thy god in it thou shalt not do any work thou nor thy son nor thy daughter nor thy manservants nor thy maidservant nor thine ox nor thine ass nor any of thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou it's a complete day of rest for everyone and anything everybody and anyone everyone and anything it's a complete blanket ban on work of any kind whatsoever the lord wants you to rest in reference to the children of israel and he wanted your children to rest and also your animals in reference to work but how you spiritualize this how you take these verses and apply it to the church age is wholly problematic in fact i would say it's bordering on a works righteous setup so verses 12 13 and 14 are exclusively given to the children of israel under the old covenant at best you can spiritualize it and teach the following that for sunday today those of us which are saved should refrain from doing any work if we can although some of us may find that somewhat difficult if you work in the emergency services that's going to be pretty much impossible in fact i've heard of messianic people who are very much into sabbath observance pretty much condemning those that don't keep the sabbath and yet they have websites which are not deactivated from friday sundown to saturday sundown they're making money off their websites which goes against that piece of scripture I've just given you from deuteronomy chapter 5 the same is true of uh, of uh, jews that don't believe in the lord jesus christ and yet are still under the jewish system if you will the old testament covenants if you will and they too are making financial gain throughout the jewish sabbath they've got websites they've got money in accounts receiving interest and they are receiving it now i'm making this point for one simple reason that if you're not careful you will cripple yourself if you're a saved man or woman and you are trying to keep the law so-called you're going to cripple yourself but you are told on the seventh day is a sabbath of the lord thy god in it thou shalt not do any work period thou nor thy son nor thy daughter nor their manservant, nor their maidservant. If your house believes in the one true God, back here in Deuteronomy, this will be binding on you, nor thine ox, nor thy ass. There goes your work. If you were to spiritualize it for today, I guess you would say cars, property, whatever makes any financial gain, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, a hired servant, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. It's very difficult to teach this doctrinally without falling under the problem of legalism so i would just say this very briefly before i get back to acts 14 that 
the best we can get from these verses for those of us which are saved is Sundays are important days, but Sunday is not Saturday. The Lord's Day is not the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is not the Lord's Day. The two different days, there are two different events given to two different groups of people. And I remember somebody telling me some years ago that he would never purchase anything from a supermarket on a Sunday. He was a saved man and he meant well. And he was of the opinion that to purchase anything on a Sunday anywhere was problematic. It was sinful in his own eyes. And he said to me, I've got the whole week to get my stuff in. Like I've just given you from Exodus 16 and Deuteronomy 5. But come Sunday, I don't go shopping anywhere. And I asked him once, I said to him, so what about Monday morning? And the supermarkets have opened or reopened. I take it you don't go and buy any fruit or vegetables. I take it you don't buy any fresh milk. I take it you don't buy a local newspaper or any newspaper for that matter. I take it you don't open mail from the postman on a Monday morning. And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, those people that deliver your mail to you on a Monday morning have collected it the previous night, Sunday night. Those people that bake your bread, which you purchase on a Monday morning, did so the previous night, Sunday night. Those people that produced fresh fruit collected it the previous day, Sunday night. So technically, you are still violating, if you want to keep that term, or if you want to follow along with me as to what I'm saying here, you have violated the Sabbath, or for us today, you violated the Lord's Day. It's practically impossible to follow his line of example. He meant well, but what he was arguing was highly problematic. But I understand that Sunday is a holy day, and if you can refrain from working on a Sunday, you should. But if you can't, okay, the Lord understands. Romans chapter 14. But in the Old Testament, if you were a Jew and you didn't keep the Sabbath, you were put to death. And yet, for the New Covenants, if you don't mark the Lord's day, the Lord isn't going to put you to death. You've got great liberty in the Lord. And yet sometimes people will force you to go back under the law. So I think I've made the point, hopefully, as far as the Jewish Sabbath is concerned. And yes, 13.5, the apostles, both Jewish, preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Because they were Jews. They're going to go into the local synagogue and preach the gospel to their own people. But to try and imagine that first century Gentiles got saved and worshipped with believing Jews on the Sabbath, breaking bread, is problematic. And that's very much alluded to from Acts chapter 15. But let's start today's broadcast, if we may. The last time we finished in verse 16 from Acts chapter 14, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Those nations are going to be judged at the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, based on what they knew. Not what they didn't know, but on what they knew and what they did with the light that they received. 17. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good, and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Romans chapter 1 makes it very clear that mankind knows that God is God. In fact, mankind even knows that the God is triune. Now, I don't quite understand that. I know man is a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit, and the word of God is laid out in three parts, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And yet the word of God says that man knows that God is God. Man is accountable to God. But it says that the Lord didn't leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven. That's true. Matthew 5, the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. And fruitful seasons filling our hearts with food and gladness. The Lord is good 
God is good. He's good if you're saved. And he's good if you're not saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 18. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. Bordering on people worship, this group of people from Lyconia, pagan savages, want to offer sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, and Paul and Barnabas to God-fearing Jewish apostles, trying to put the brakes on. I'm not sure if this group of people were cannibals or not, but they wanted to offer sacrifice, and 18 one more time. And with these sayings, scarce restrain they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. Don't worship us. I can just see Paul and Barnabas telling this group of people that. Don't worship us. Worship the one true God. Turn from these living vanities, verse 15, which made the heaven, earth, sea, and all things that are therein. But they would understand it because they don't understand the Old Testament. They don't understand the one true God. I doubt this group of people had even heard of Moses or Abraham or Solomon, which goes back to what I've been saying all along. Their ignorance, they're outside of the Old Testament covenants. They're not yet in the New Testament covenants. And they too, when they die, will be judged on what they knew. But here the apostles put the brakes on. And it goes on saying in verse 19, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Some scholars believe that this is the verse that points to Paul's trip to the third heaven. I don't know when he went to the third heaven. I don't think anybody really knows for sure, but it doesn't stop scholars speculating. But you've got Jews from Antioch and Iconium, which goes back to what I said last time, this remnant, this unbelieving contingent of hostile Jews from organized religion, trying to thwart the work of the apostles and they tried to persuade the people to attack Paul like the mob of Jews did in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ release Barabbas kill the Lord Jesus Christ and here having stoned Paul drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead he's obviously unconscious that much is clear but whether this is the scripture which points to his visit and return to the third heaven we're not told Verse 20, howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. He'd just been left for dead. He's come to himself and he goes back into the city. And some people have made reference to this and the fact that Paul was, on the one hand, wanting to go back to glory. Going back into the city meant death. But there's probably two parts to this city. There's the old city and the new city. Old town, new town. I don't think he actually went back to the exact spot. To be stoned again, which I've heard some premillennial teachers suggest. 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystria and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. I've heard post tribulational people cite this piece of scripture to suggest that this is in reference to the post tribulation belief. But it's not the case at all. You see, faith equals works, which equals sufferings. Okay, you are called to serve the Lord. You got saved, but you were saved under good works. And part of your works is going to result in sufferings, which goes into the judgment seats of the Lord. But this scripture from verse 21, 22. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, they're preaching Jesus, not religion. And had taught many, which suggests some got saved. They returned again to Lystria and to Iconium 
and Antioch. Confirm in the souls of the disciples. If you are a saved man or woman, you are a disciple. Whether you are in the church building or not, you are still a disciple by definition because you are now born again. And exhort them to continue in the faith. That's imperative. You get saved by grace and you kept saved by grace, but you are, conti- you are to continue in the faith. There's two verses which point to you are my disciples. If you continue in my word and also he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now that piece of scripture is from Matthew 24 in reference to the tribulation period. But we can spiritualize that and apply it to our own lives in reference to getting a full reward at the judgment seats of Christ. And that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. But what you can't get from this piece of scripture is the post Tribulation doctrine held by certain groups of people. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Elders are selected from within, a typical meeting, Acts 6, and then they are ordained. You can't be ordained to be an elder. You can't be ordained to everlasting life, 1348, unless you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I made the case last time that Calvinists misapply this piece of scripture to suggest that you were chosen before the foundation of the world to be saved, when in reality you got saved in time and then you were appointed to life everlasting here. You've got elders, not a one-man pastor, being ordained, being appointed in every church, probably a house church, not a local synagogue, which was just for the Jews, and had prayed with fasting to make sure they've got the right people. They commended them to the Lord, on whom they believed. So you see, 13.48 and 14.23 fit together like a glove. You get saved by believing, and then you are appointed, if you are the right candidate, to become an elder of a church. Let's say you are a politician, you stand for election. You put yourself forward to be elected. You put yourself forward to be appointed. You put yourself forward to be ordained, if you will, to that position of trust. It's the same sort of theme here. 24, and after that, they passed throughout Basidia. They came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Italia. And thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. Back to Syria, which for Paul was the headquarters, whereas the Jerusalem church was very much for the Jews. Which goes back to what I said all along. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, Matthew 16, here are the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bind on earth. Whatever you loose in heaven is loose in heaven, so on and so forth. And that is what is happening in Acts chapter 2. But here, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, has been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. It goes back to Syria. You've got two churches, the church of Syria, very much filled with Gentiles, and the church of Jerusalem, very much filled with Jews. One last time, Peter, the apostle to the Jews, the Jerusalem church, keys of the kingdom, Matthew 16, Acts 2, versus Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles in Syria, who gets the gospel of the grace of God, who is given the rapture and great mysteries, which beforehand was unknown. 27, when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. That's what this is all about. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. 
He's not interested in keeping the Jewish Sabbath or feast days. He's going to write about this in Galatians. In fact, if you were a Jew, pre the New Covenant, you would meet in your local synagogue every Saturday. And you go up to Jerusalem at least four to six times a year to keep the Jewish feast days. The Gentile had no place. He had no business going up to the temple. He had no business being a part of a typical synagogue. But a Gentile that got saved would be part of a house church, a local house church, a local body of believers, if you will. And they would meet in people's homes, not in synagogues. Let's conclude today's broadcast in verse 28, if we may. And there they abode long time with the disciples. The door of faith was open to the Gentiles. And here they, Paul and Barnabas, abode long time with the disciples. But this will lead up to Acts 15, which we'll look at next week, in reference to, you must do this, you must do that, in order to be saved. But I've laid the foundation, hopefully, Lord willing, clearly, I hope, today that the Sabbath was for the Jews, not the Gentiles. And if you keep the Sabbath for today, you need to follow Exodus 16 and Deuteronomy 5. And on top of that, you can't make any financial gain whatsoever during the Sabbath. And if you want to spiritualize a Sabbath to the Lord's Day, do so carefully. And if you do so, keep in mind what I said about Sunday trading, about buying your goods on a Monday morning, which were made the previous night. It's highly problematic. It's almost impossible to really achieve but there you are 28 verses and as always hopefully you were able to read along with me in your king james bible but this has been a seventh month study thus far and i am still estimating that in total this look at the acts of the apostles will last a good 12 months but i'm out of time for today's broadcast and i'll finish there in verse 28 and pick it up next week in acts chapter 15